Well, good evening, everyone. Thanks, you all, for being here. Thank you for those of us who are joining us online. Um, to start things off with tonight, I thought that I would start it off with something a little light and fun. Um, and that's a confession <laughs> of mine. Um, I'm a hypocrite. Isn't that fun? Isn't that a fun way to start? Uh, we say here every week for almost 30 years uh, that you're accepted here just as you are. And I believe that and strive to make that a reality with every fiber of my being for all of you. But I don't believe that about me, or at least I haven't lately. Um, I used to. It was the thing that always kept me here. And I, I realized that um, somewhere along the line in the past few months, I've stopped believing that. And I've been trying really hard to impress you. <laughs> um, I... I do not feel like I'm very good at this job lately, but I want to. I want you guys to like me. I want uh, people to like our church. I want people to think that um, not all Christians are crazy. I want people to like God. And so I try really hard <laughs> to somehow like check all those boxes, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, but the biggest thing, the biggest problem to me with that is it's impossible to create a space where people are welcome and accepted just as they are if you're not extending that same thing, if you're not extending that same grace to yourself. That's an idea we're going to come back to. Uh, but uh, first, we're in the middle of this series on spiritual disciplines, um, looking at different uh, spiritual practices for us to engage with as we begin to take responsibility for our spiritual development. Um, but before we talk about the practice that we're talking about tonight, I want us to take a step back and kind of zoom out and make sure that we all uh, have a correct perspective of what it is that we're talking about. Because um, I think maybe what I'm sort of sensing in all of us, and I certainly feel, is that, uh, well, how many of you are, are so tired, are so burnt out, are so spread thin, feel like you're so all over the place that a series on, on spiritual disciplines feels kind of meaningless to you because you're so detached from your spirituality. I'm the only one. That's fine. I don't believe you, but you're accepted here just as you are. I think if you feel that way, it's easy to think like, I'm just not spiritual, or God is not working in me, or I've gone too far away. But if you feel that way, but you also want things to be different, especially spiritually, if you desire a different kind of life, something's happening there. Jesus famously said uh, in Matthew 11, which uh, the song we just sang alluded to several times, Jesus said this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Mm, that sounds really good. The idea of, like, watching how Jesus does it, the idea of learning unforced rhythms of grace. Like, I just feel more relaxed saying that phrase. Uh, the idea of, of keeping company with Jesus and learning how to live freely and lightly right now sounds incredible. 
If that sounds good to you, if you want this kind of unforced life, if you want a different kind of life with more of God, I want to encourage you in a way that I've recently been encouraged this last week, and that is that desire inside of you means that God is working inside of you. Even if that's, like, if you feel that on a very small level, something is being drawn out of you. You are being drawn towards something greater, something bigger. God is working in you already. And that desire for something more, to be something more, is really important, especially when it comes to our spiritual development. Because uh, willpower alone is not going to help us grow. Striving and trying really, really hard is not going to help us grow. We have to have that desire to be something more. And if that's what you feel tonight, the question that you get to answer is, so what do you want Jesus to do for you? Which seems like a ridiculous question. But it's actually a question that Jesus, <laughs> Jesus asked people a lot. If you look in the Gospels, most of the time, the first, thing, <laughs> the first interaction he has with people is he just says, what, what do you want? What do you want from me? And they usually answer. And it's usually things like, I'm thirsty. I want water. I want you to feed me. Some people say, I want you to leave. Some people say, I want you to heal me. What I think is interesting is that Jesus doesn't try to uh, dismiss or even redirect people's desires. But he often points out to them that their pursuit of that desire is really about them trying to fill a God-sized hole in their heart. And he leaves them with a, a practice to create space for God in their life. Father Daniel Oman and uh, Lord, Lonnie Pratt, Lonnie Pratt, I'm not sure. If you're watching, I apologize for butchering your name. Uh, they wrote this incredible book called Radical uh, Hospitality. And in that book, they write this. A spiritual practice is an action intended to make a change or adjustment in the deepest realm of the self. A spiritual practice is a thing that we do that opens a door. It creates a possibility or opportunity, but the change itself is more gift than effort. The spiritual practice puts us in a, into a receiving place where we are open to the something more that we call God. You can set your will to be more open to others, but your heart still has to stretch gradually. This is what spiritual disciplines are. Ways to intentionally create opportunities for God to uh, gradually stretch our hearts. So, how does your heart need to stretch? What do you want Jesus to do for you? And if you were asking me that question, which thank you for doing that, that helps me with this talk, uh, my answer would be, how much time do you have? Gosh, there's so many things. But I think something that I've been thinking about a lot um, just in the past month is I really want for myself and for my family deeper connections uh, to the people that we claim to love. All of us feel, well, I don't want to speak for everyone, but my read is that a lot of us, the majority of us feel isolated after the past year. I know some people that have totally come out of their shell after, in, in the midst of pandemic, which is interesting. But for the most part, a lot more of us receded inward. We feel isolated. And I think that's definitely true of me and my family. But I think 
The pandemic also showed us how, um, how isolated we had come to live even before everything had been shut down. Uh, it was actually really disorienting the first few weeks when kind of everyone was freaking out and Michaela and I were like, our, our life has not really changed. What does that mean? <laughs> I want to do something about that. I want to have deeper connections with the people in my life that I claim to love, which is a, like all of you. And that's part of why um, we decided to move where we're moving. Because against all odds, for some reason, a large majority of you have decided to move to Southeast Aurora, which is where I grew up. And it's a place that I promised Nikki and promised myself even more that I would never move back to. Lots of times. And she always told me that I was wrong. And uh, I was always angry with her for saying that because I think something deep down in me knew she was right. But anyway, we're, we're moving to be closer to our family to be closer to the, <laughs> the oddly large and growing number of you that are moving out there so we can form deeper relationships. But moving is just a start. It'll be easy for us to stay isolated even after we move unless we're intentional. We need a practice. We need something to help us uh, intentionally open a door um, to help us create an opportunity for God to stretch our hearts. And so selfishly, if I'm allowed to do so, the practice that we're looking at tonight is hospitality. Hospitality moves us from artificial contact to authentic connection. Hospitality moves us from artificial contact to authentic connection. Um, there are many, many, many commands and exhortations um, to be hospitable that show up all throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, there are laws about how we well, I say we, but by we, I mean uh, Israel at the time. Was, we're supposed to be hospitable people. They were supposed to show hospitality to foreigners in their country, uh, to the poor, to the need, needy, to the um, diseased. They were, they were commanded to show hospitality. In the New Testament, hospitality shows up a lot, always connected to loving our neighbor, the thing that Jesus called us to do, love one another. Uh, there's two places in the New Testament that I want to point out to you. First is in Romans 12, where Paul writes this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Love, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another, honor one another. Practice hospitality. This idea is emphasized further in, in 1 Peter 4, which says, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hospitality is always an expression of love. But we can go through the motions of that and have it not be an expression of love. We can provide space for people. We can give people basic necessities and do it without love. We can do it with grumbling. We're called to love. And hospitality is a form of that. What do you typically think of when it comes to hospitality? If you're like most people, it's uh, inviting people into your home, usually to share a meal. 
And that's certainly an expression of hospitality, but it's not what it means to be hospitable. Jesus was an incredibly hospitable person. He had this uh, really, really compelling and attractive way of inviting people into space that helped them become who they are. But for the three years that we know the most about Jesus' life, he didn't have a house. (laughs) He was homeless. He had no space of his own to invite people into, and yet he was still hospitable. It's not just about inviting people into our homes or, and sharing basic necessities. As some of you pointed out on our Instagram post yesterday, uh, hospitality is much broader and deeper. As I said, hospitality is ultimately an expression of love. It's a posture that we take towards others. Uh, Henry Nouwen uh, captures this idea beautifully, writing, hospitality means primarily the creation of free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. It's not to bring men and women over to our side, but to offer freedom not disturbed by dividing lines. Man, that sounds like what certainly our country needs. Space undisturbed by dividing lines. Space where you're not being coerced onto one side or the other of any given thing. I also like what Parker Palmer has to say about hospitality. And he writes, hospitality is a way of receiving each other, our struggles, our newborn ideas, with openness and care. It means creating an ethos in which community can form. So hospitality is about creating space where people feel safe, where they feel cared for, where they feel welcome, where they're free to be themselves. That's something that we try to do here every Tuesday night. We try to create a space where you are accepted just as you are, regardless of where you're at, with faith, or church, or God, or Jesus, or any of these things that we talk about. But like I said at the beginning, I I have been the biggest hypocrite in this regard, because I have fallen into uh, one of the biggest obstacles to hospitality, which is trying to impress people. It is impossible to create space where people are accepted and feel safe if you don't accept yourself first. You're just lying to everyone at that point. And that's not just here for me, that's anywhere that I try to extend hospitality. One of the most common, hosp- one of the most common obstacles to hospitality is trying to impress people. Um, If you've ever used any of these excuses for not being hospitable, um, you can relate to what I'm saying. My house just isn't good for hosting. I'm not, I'm I'm just a terrible cook. I am super awkward in conversations. These are all excuses that I have used uh, this year. Because... And I know that I'm not alone. We want, to, we want to impress people with the places that we live. We want to impress people with our um, effortless and easy and, and disarming skills of conversing. Wouldn't that be great? We want to impress people with our, well, I imagine that if I was good at cooking, I would want to impress people with my culinary skills. 
And, and those are all great things. Not a, there's nothing wrong with them. But when they become the, the reasons or the focus for why we would or wouldn't be hospitable people, there's a problem. Because what, what that shows us is that we fear that if people knew, if people just knew how unimpressive we are, if people knew how, um, man, how, how our house looks when it's just us there, people knew the ways that we really lived, if they really truly knew how bad I was at cooking, if they really truly knew how awkward I can be in conversations, they would reject me. Trying to impress people reveals a fear of rejection. That's what's going on there. So what's the desire behind that fear? What's the thing that we're looking for when we fear being rejected? to be welcomed, to be received, to be loved, to be cared for, to be accepted for who we really are. For hospitality, that's what we all actually want. Exactly what hospitality creates opportunities for, really being known by people, real authentic connection. But when we're stuck trying to impress people, when we're stuck in in fear of rejection, we never have an authentic connection with anyone. The best we get is artificial contact. Because as we're trying to impress people, as we're uh, wearing a mask, we're presenting a person that doesn't exist to them. So let's say you and I don't know each other, and we, uh, I don't want to make this sound like a date, but I almost did. We go get dinner and a movie. I'm just kidding. We go, we go get coffee somewhere. That's benign, right? And uh, in our conversation, I'm just trying to read you, and I'm trying to present to you the person that I think you want to hear. And somehow, magically, it's working, which has never happened before. But let's just say I'm guessing everything right, and you and I are just clicking, and you walk away from that thinking like, man, this guy is awesome. We have so much in common. I'm really excited to get to know him more. Did you actually have an authentic connection? No. Because you, you connected to a person that doesn't exist. You connected to your version, a, a mere image of yourself that I created. And I did that to you. That's not your fault. So uh, when I'm trying to impress you, when I'm faking it, all that I do is succeed in, in an artificial contact. Trying to impress others only produces artificial contact. And what we want is authentic connection. Sometimes when we want things, we have to be willing to go first. So if we create a space where we very intentionally welcome people, where we very intentionally um, love them for exactly who they are, you will be surprised how quickly that posture is extended back to you. I know this for a fact for having been at this church for, good Lord, 20 years. Because that posture, the posture of hospitality spreads, it's contagious. When we extend hospitality, we create space in which we are able to truly know and truly love other people. And at the same time, we're creating space where we are able to truly be known and truly be loved by other people. Hospitality is an opportunity for us to love others the way that God loves them. And it's an opportunity for us to be loved the way that God loves us. When we extend hospitality to one another, we move from artificial contact to authentic connection. 
And hospitality is one of those things that's actually really simple, and I think that's why it's sometimes really hard for us to do. Certainly not all of us. Some of you, even in this room tonight, are fantastic at being hospitable people. Um, when I was creating this list of like things that I try to impress people with, I immediately thought of Mike and Becca Powell, which sounds bad, but let me explain. Don't get ahead of me. Uh, they are the most disarming people, the most hospitable people in the world. When you hang out with them, if, whether you're at their house or their, or <laughs> whether you're at their house or their house, because I don't let them come over to my house, whether you're at their house or they come to your house, no one cares about the living situation. No one cares about how awkward the conversation gets. In fact, sometimes that just makes it fun. And they're both great at cooking. And they'll come to you and cook, or they'll have you over and cook, and it's just, it's not a big deal. And when that, when people create that kind of space, I just can't help but try, like, I stop trying to fake it. I can just be myself. It's like, oh, we don't have to, like, pretend that we're anything other than we are. That's such a gift. And I hope some of you get to experience that specifically with them. But how can we take that first step and extend hospitality? Not to put you on the spot. You don't have to invite like everyone over. Invite people, invite yourself over to their house. There you go. That's a thing people do. Um, maybe for you it is inviting people over to where you live and inviting them in for a meal. Or maybe it's inviting people to go do something with you. Or maybe it's inviting people uh, into a conversation with you where you give them your full undivided attention. There's a lot of different ways to do it, right? The key ingredient is to invite people to connect while committing to be yourself and committing to love them and accept them for who they are, which is something we try to model every Tuesday. Obviously, we're not perfect at it. But it's about trying. <laughs> And in doing so, you create a space that is safe, that, that, um, where people feel accepted. And when that happens, they will blossom into the person they were created to be right before your very eyes. This takes practice. This takes intentionality. This takes time. If you are willing to, if you feel as bad as I am about being hospitable and you are willing to step into this and uh, be willing to create these opportunities for God to stretch your heart gradually, you will fail at it. Keep trying. I want to leave you with uh, this encouragement, which is also from that Radical Hospitality book, which says this, Hospitality, rather than being something you achieve, is something you enter. It's an adventure that takes you where you never dreamed of going. It's not something you do as much as it is someone you become. You try and you fail. You try again. You make room for one person at a time. You give one chance at a time. And each of these choices of the heart stretches your ability to receive others. This is how we grow more hospitable, by welcoming one person when the opportunity is given to you. In our relationships with others, what matters is that we keep trying. There is a place inside of you that you must first open before you open your door. Some days it will be hard to do that. Other days it will be easier. What matters is that you keep trying. So TNL, don't try to be impressive. <laughs>
extend hospitality. Be who you are, even when you fail. Especially when you fail. What matters is that you keep trying. So keep trying. Let's keep trying together. Will you pray with me? God, thank you. Um, thank you that this place has been for me. A place that for 20 years has pushed me to accept um, to accept love and grace that feels so uncomfortable and so right at the same time. Grace that I so desperately want and for some reason constantly push back against. Thank you for uh, a church that is steadfast and continuing to remind me for 20 years that I am accepted here just as I am. God, I pray that uh, each of us would find ways to uh, push further into hospitality, that we'd find ways to further create space for people to show up as exactly who they are and know that they will be loved. God, I pray that that would spread like wildfire through this community and through our country that is so divided and our world that feels beyond hope sometimes. God, thank you that you are our hope. Help us to keep trying. We love you, God. Amen.